Greetings, Moonlight Citizens. This is your man on the moon coming to you live with the first ever episode of Moonlight Kingdom Reviews. And on this episode, we'll be reviewing the 1980 William Friedkin-directed Al Pacino starring movie, Cruising. Yeah, this movie has um, a lot of controversy to it. Well, back in the day, there were various groups who... In, within the LGBT community who didn't want it to get made because, well, the movie's about a killer who's hunting down people of the, like, members of the LGBT, of the gay community in New York, and you can kind of see why they wouldn't want that kind of thing out there. You don't want a movie that essentially, you have a guy going out and killing people of that community, so, yeah. Plus, it delves into s and life back then. Yeah, and they didn't want people portraying that on screen. Especially when the movie was being directed by the director of the freaking Exorcist. So, yeah, that was, um, so there was apparently all this story about how, all these stories of how when the film was shooting in Greenwich Village, people would yell, like they would protest, they would be like, try and mess with the productions. So much so that uh, they had to tape over stuff. Like, they would use the footage they shot, but they didn't use the sound because you couldn't hear anything. And they had to tape over it in, like, post-production or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie got a lot of controversy behind it. But, like, that's 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 not why I'm reviewing this. I'm reviewing it because it's, it's kind of an oddity when you kind of think, when you look at it. I mean, looking at Al Pacino's whole career and the kind of movies he's been in, you see cruising here and you're like, huh. Like, this is... Uh, that's a bit of an odd one. I mean, you think of Al Pacino, you see movies like Dog Day Afternoon, The Godfather, and, you know, a whole bunch of other films before you get to this, so this is here. But, like, um, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm about to dive into it, so... This is Moonlight Kingdom Reviews. We're going to review for cruising. Here we go. Okay, the um the basic premise is this: the dead bodies have been turning up in places in New York, like you know, uh oh yeah, body parts are washing up, and also people have been found like dead in their apartments and so on, like prominent cruising locations. There's a serial killer on the loose, and he's killing gay people. Members, you know, he's killing gay people the um that's the Simpson movie so the police come up with the genius idea of sending in a cop undercover to like find out who's doing this he's, he's killing you know you know the oh wait basically yeah he's killing people who are into leather bondage and you know stuff like that there's body parts randomly being found all over town and the cops think both events are being done by the same guy all the victims kind of look the same so they send in a rookie cop undercover who matches the description of the villains to see if he can bait out the killer. That's cliche, you know, that's typical, you know, undercover movie shit. Like, oh yeah, he's, uh, there's a serial killer on the loose, he's killing a certain type of person, we need to send in a certain type of person to root him out. You know, basic stuff with a twist. Thing is, the killer's killing gay people, members of the S&M community, so we need you to go undercover there. 
better than your typical undercover story of like go undercover pretend to be a criminal or some shit like that you know it's this it's a cliche premise for movie uh movies cop movies and thrillers to go down but it's a twist because of where it, it takes it's said okay the first kill in this movie where the killer meets a guy at a, a bar like this, this like leather bar he meets him there and they go back to his apartment they have sex and afterwards he ties the guy up i mean he, he like the guy's laying there no clothes on the guy pulls a knife the killer pulls a knife on him and he hog ties him and he stabs him to death in the stabbing there's like a split second like you know i've seen in fight fight club where tyler durden is like, like chopping together a movie and for like a split second he inserts a picture of a penis into the film there's Images like that, when the killings happen, like for a split second, there's an image spliced into the film, and you have to like rewind and pause just the right time to get a look at it. I didn't do that because like I didn't want to rewatch the killing, but like yeah, there's stuff like that. Uh, apparently online, uh, it's been stated that those paused images are sex, and like people took offense to that because it was like, oh, this director's trying to equate, you know, sex with like like gay sex with the killing and whatnot but you know i don't know if that's what he was going for and i'm not gonna speculate on if it was but yeah the first kill it's it's like something out of a horror movie man it's 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 bloody it's it's not gory or anything but it's bloody it's hard to watch like leading up to it like you just get the feeling like man something something awful is gonna happen like once he pulls the knife on the guy and he puts it to his throat and the guy tell and the guy tells him like he's like now he's scared. Like you just get this sense like, oh man, something awful. You know he's gonna die, but you know like he's gonna die in a very horrible way, because this fucking knife is huge. And he you know, he's flipped the guy over and tied him up. So like he's totally vulnerable. There's no way to defend himself. And when he stabs him, it's it's thing is normally when a character gets shot in a movie it's nothing you don't really think anything of it like when a character gets shot in a movie it's like bam and they go down and that's that but when a character gets stabbed and the movie like it's different when a character gets stabbed because in an action movie when two characters are fighting and one of them gets stabbed they get stabbed and you move on to the next scene but when a camera lingers on it and it's a victim like of someone totally unable to defend themselves like getting stabbed in the back again and again and again it's like i don't know you almost don't want to see it you almost don't want to see it like and people are like i'm not squeamish like i said i'll watch a movie where a dude gets burned alive or dismembered or whatever and like oh that's okay that happened but it's a horror movie it's supposed to happen but like this isn't this isn't a horror movie but it, it may as well be dude the way this shit is filmed we we never get a look at the bad guy's face. It's like like some Michael Myers shit, you know? Like, we never really, we don't really know who this killer is. We don't get a look at his face. We, we do, actually. Later in the movie, when Pacino goes undercover and he goes to that first bar, we do look at the killer right in the fucking face. But we don't know it's him. We just think he's one of the many guys in the fucking bar. But, like, yeah. He's, th he's there, but, like, in this film, like, he always got their sunglasses on and that kind of shit so yeah that's the thing going on here but this first kill man it's like it lets you know like yo this isn't this ain't the kind of movie you'd want to rewatch. you know like it's a good movie it's not a bad movie 
by no stretch of the imagination is this a, a bad movie, but it's just like it you know, it's 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 got its, its moments that are like, okay, I, I it's one of those movies where you're like, I was able to watch it, but I don't wanna see it again. It's not a bad movie, but I don't wanna see it again. I don't wanna rewatch this killing or like the killings that happen in this movie. Like you know, you don't wanna see someone taken advantage of in that way. It's like yeah, essentially. Um, after that, the that's when the dude is like the chief, the chief of police. Things comes up with the idea to send not chief of police, like the captain. You know, like Paul Sorvino, the captain. He comes up with the idea to send this dude undercover to get him because apparently, like, oh, this is the the like the third dude to wind up like this. All the victims like have the similar mo. You know, they all look kind of the same, like same height, same similar weight, same look to them. So he sends in Petir. It, by the way, it takes sixteen minutes for Steve to show up. I Man, it takes sixteen minutes of movie time for the main character to appear on screen. Like, what the hell? I mean, what's going on here that it takes sixteen minutes for the character to show up? You know, he he's got a wife. I think she's his wife or his girlfriend, whatever. The wife played by um Marion Ravenwood from Indiana Jones. I don't know her name, but like she was Marion from the Indiana Jones and what's that first one. That first one though, it's not it's not Temple Doom, it's not um Last Crusade. That first one with the the thing, the Ark. You know, like the one with the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, that one. She was Marion in that movie. She reappeared in King of the Crystal Skulls, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she was the, she's in she's his love interest and um you know she was she was a, there was this <laughs> oh, shit dude but yeah she's his love interest but um yeah the movie has scenes where dude goes downtown and he starts hanging around like leather bars and looking around at the different places all the different people like the gay people whatever and I'm just curious, were there really this many people out and about in full leather gear, like leather jacket, leather pants, leather hats and shit in the 80s? Were there really this many people? Like, god damn, dude, there's, there's like 50 people out here. Okay, that's exaggerating. Like, there's, if there were 50 fucking people out there, like, okay, like, that's, that's a little number. There was like fucking 20 people outside just standing around in leather gear, like leather jackets, pants, and like leather hats and everything. And I'm just looking like, oh man, what are this many people just out and about openly gay and shit in New York in 1980? Like, for real. Was this a thing? I asked because there was, um, there was this, there was this opening. Oh, the movie doesn't open with these killings whatever it opens on these two i want to say drag queen no they're not yeah the drag queens but no i don't I'm not, I'm not sure like they're not they're cross dresses yeah yeah i'd say they're cross dresses but like the one that, that they look like women but they're dudes you know they dress they put on makeup they dress up they look women are they cross dresses are they okay let, let's just say i don't know okay there were these two these two dudes Oh, these two women, I don't know. I can't, I don't want to say. Thing is, nowadays, in fact, then there was a word for everything, and you knew what that was. But nowadays, there's more exact words to use when to describe a member of a certain community. So, thing is, I don't know which word perfectly works here. Like, okay, let's call them drag queens. They were drag queens. They, they had, like, wigs, makeup, 
and they were two pretty very convincing women i'm not gonna lie they were very convincing women like damn you know if i didn't know any better i'd fuck them Shit. <laughs> uh, who am i kidding if i did know i'd still fuck them they looked that good like from the waist down it was like holy shit. like they had like these tight on like i don't know if they were like skinny they were like skinny jeans but i don't know if skinny jeans were a thing back then so like yeah it was like that they had like skinny jeans on like black leather black tights black high heels black leather jackets and these black hats and this like beautiful wig their faces were all pretty and shit and if you didn't know any better you'd swear there were these two prostitutes just walking down the street and these cops pull them over now they pull him over. They, they don't really pull him over. The, the guy starts saying some shit. Like, just saying some random bullshit, offensive shit. And the one lady stops. And, you know, she, she says something to him. And she tries to keep walking. And he gets mad. And he's like, hey, come here. It's like, come here. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, don't. Don't. Just don't go over there. This dude isn't, like, he's not charging with anything. You don't have to go over there. You can just keep walking like leave this asshole be don't go over there just because he says go over there but like you know like he's you just know he's gonna bust you on some trumped up charges or whatever just leave she even says like i can't afford another bust if you've been busted like more than once on bullshit charges why do you keep listening to this fucker just leave ignore him he's not gonna he can't do shit if you ain't done shit i mean goddamn. but this is america so I mean, you can totally go to jail on not on no charges whatsoever. There is like a law somewhere that says cops can hold you for twenty four hours, even if you haven't done anything. So yeah, there's that. Oh, that's fucked up. But like, yeah. So yeah, she's so the two the two drag queens wind up in the car. Like they get in the car. This is cop and his partner. They get in the car and they drive off to this like alleyway and they park there. Now the um, the way they end up sitting is this the older cop is sitting in the back seat with the two and his partner is sitting up front and they make these jokes like oh like like oh, i knew a guy that like, he was a a corkscrewer or a, like a, like i don't know some shit. they're trying to say dude was a cocksucker but like but like going around about way of saying it like a really jokey way but like this shit ain't funny man and the one guy, the guy sitting up front says, hey, come up here. Let me show you my nightstick. It's like, it's like bring your ass up here now. And, you know, they gets up out of the car, goes to the front. And we don't see what happened. We don't see what happens because then the movie cuts to the guy, the, the killer, going into, the, into this nearby club to find his victim. But later in the story, it's revealed that the one... The one drag queen who was there was is actually an informant for the cops. They didn't know that. The two cops who pulled them over clearly did not know that. But then you know, the informant goes on to say, like, hey, I'm being hassled by these two dudes. They pulled me over and they made, you know, my partner give him a blowjob right in the front seat. Like, like do something about it. You know, you, you gotta do something. If I'm gonna keep informing for you, you gotta do something about this shit. Then the, the the chief mentions like, okay, did you get their badge numbers? Did you get their names? And it's like, no, you didn't get that. But like, like obviously she didn't get all that. But like, you know, the chief says, hey, if you don't have badge numbers, you don't have names. Like, you don't got shit. I can't help you. I can't do anything if I don't know who's doing it. So like, oh, they're from the sixth precinct or whatever. The dude says they probably they weren't cops. 
like then they weren't cops you know like there's because no like the way he was saying it's like no way a real cop would just pull you over and force you to give him a blowjob you know like that that shit doesn't happen except it totally did she's like there's plenty of people out there it's like there's more people pretending to be cops than there are actual cops is what he was trying to say that that's just not true dude like like there's more people pretending to be cops than there are cops thing is that's actually true in this movie i mean yeah he's he doesn't know that he doesn't know that he doesn't know that show he's just making up an excuse because like what he's hearing sounds so fucking ludicrous like what there's someone out there like there's cops out there making you give them blowjobs get the fuck out of here like that's not a real thing like get out of here like come back when you have something actionable like something i can you know charge people for whatever and so yeah the he's right that does come back later on you know there's more people out there pretending to be cops than there are actual cops he's right there's a night when al pacino's character goes to a nightclub and it's precinct night and everyone in there is dressed head to toe in police paraphernalia man like what the fuck there really are more people dressed as cops than there are cops what the hell especially in this fucking movie shit i'm going on man though but yeah that's that b plot that never gets resolved it just goes nowhere there's it has that setup, it has that continuation, and then it goes nowhere. It just fucking ends. They're like, what is that? Get the fuck out of here. Like, come back when you have something actually. I mean, we see the informant later again when, you know, it provides further information on, like, a dude that like, Steve Patino's character suspects of being the killer. But, you know, other than that, that's it. Like, that the whole plot, that, be, that B-plot that began the movie goes nowhere. You know, the cops, I guess they get away with it. We even see the the cop later on the you know the one of the cops who pulled the informant over. We see him later on in the movie. He's still copping around, and he's still you know just oh he's at like a scene of a murder or whatever. And we see him. He's still got his badge. He's still doing his thing. And he runs into like the captain and the captain asks him like, hey, what prison are you from? Yeah, I'm from the sixth. You know like so it turns out this dude is an actual cop. Like this is this is he wasn't pretending to be a cop he is a real cop so yeah but this is like captain's not gonna know that i guess this was like the director trying to resolve that plot point you know like like okay like hey here's some form of resolution the resolution is that nothing happened nothing came of that so yeah there's that The cuts in this movie are fucking weird, okay? One cut, okay, wait, before that, like, when, when Pacino goes into these, like, clubs, this, like, uh, S&M joints, he goes in there, and initially when he goes there, he just, like, goes in there in his regular civvies, you know, he, he doesn't, he's, he's a fucking fish out of water, man, he's lost, like, just like, what, like, what am I, like, what's going on? He doesn't know what to wear, he doesn't know how to act, he's just like... I don't know, he's just there, man. He's just there looking around. He doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't properly interact with anyone outside of the bartender or whatever to ask the question of, hey, who's that guy over there? Like, what's up with that? Or what's going on? Just, you know, like typical police job. Yeah, basically behaves like a cop. You know, he basically walks in and acts as if he were a cop. And everybody 
you know, treats him as such. He's not truly one of them as much as he is just an outsider looking around like, I don't know, he was at the zoo or something. You know, that's, I don't know, that's just how it appeared. You know, that's how it appeared to me. Like, he was just not, in. he was totally out of his element. It's understandably so, because he's not a gay guy. He's a straight dude having to pretend to be gay in the most extreme manner possible this isn't a case of oh yeah just pretend to be gay like just say you like dudes or whatever no this is you can you have to pretend to be gay and also wear leather gear and just fucking you know just do snm shit you don't have, like he didn't have to do snm shit that was never like one of the requirements but it's like get into this community like blend in to so that when the killer comes sniffing around you know he'll think you're one of them like just be as close to one of them as you possibly can so that when the killer comes around he'll be one of them and he'll go for you and you'll be able to take him down that's basically the premise that's what they was going with anyway <clears throat> so yeah he looked fucking lost um i wanted to mention there was uh these different handkerchiefs that one could wear like, you could put them in your back pocket. Also, which pocket it was in kind of said whether you were a giver or a receiver. Like, uh, like certain handkerchiefs represented, oh, you like blowjobs, or you like anal sex, or and which, which pocket it was in, whether it was left or right. It was if you like to give blowjobs, you like to get blowjobs, you like to get fucked, you like to fuck. Are you a hustler? Like, you know, like, you know, like, are you a hooker or whatever? Like, you know, shit like that. Like that's basically what it meant it showed like oh there was this um like language within the it really showed like there was a a language like not a language but like, there was like a like not secret code but like there was a language within the community that only members of the community knew and they knew what it meant like the different handkerchiefs mean this and that like red yellow green whatever mean different things and it showed like oh, okay a lot of thought and planning went into this like as it seems like oh actual research was done you know nice nice plus it takes um, a page out of the it takes away that layer of awkwardness we have to like ask somebody so like what are you into them having a handkerchief in their back pocket letting you know like and you know what the handkerchief represents like oh you don't have to ask anymore you can just straight up walk by and say hey so you like so and so like there was a scene in the movie where Pacino had a yellow handkerchief on and this guy walks up to him and he's got like these leather chaps on the guy walks up to him and he goes so are you into water sports i was like and Virginia goes oh no uh, i just like to watch and the guy gets mad he's like well if you just like to watch then take the handkerchief out of your pocket asshole and <laughs> after that scene the, the cuts in this movie are fucking weird okay one cut and like that movie immediately like dude Okay, before that scene, there's a cut where, like, the, Steve is talking to his neighbor, you know, and it's, it's in this diner. It's, like, you know, it's during the day. It's all well-lit. It's pleasant. They're just sitting together, eating lunch, talking. And then it cuts to him in the fucking leather bar, looking around, just standing there with his arm crossed, looking around, and all the dudes around him. And then from the leather bar, it cuts immediately after the, you know, take the handkerchief out of your pocket, asshole. Cuts to a scene of him working out like he's like a fucking Rocky montage with like music blurring in the background. Like, what the? He's like getting in shape. Like, just, what the hell? 
that dude didn't get mad at you because you weren't in shape, moron. He got mad at you because you had a thing in your pocket and you didn't do that. Like, just, ugh. He, he, he felt like he got swindled, you know? Like, I don't know, false advertising, whatever. That's why dude got mad. Like, and, okay, I can kind of see the, oh, guys aren't attracted to me because, like, they don't like how I look. Let me get in shape because everyone around me seems to be in fucking shape. So, like, you know, maybe that'll lure this dude out if I'm in better shape or whatever. But, yeah. <clears throat> in Indiana Jones, Marion yelled at Indy in this bar that they were talking in, like, I was a child. You know, because um, when they got in a relationship, she wasn't an adult yet. She was, like, still a teenager. So that was, like, I was a child. It's like, well, she's all a woman now. <laughs> she's not a child in this movie, man. And the sex scene that she has is proof of that. That's for damn sure. The movie doesn't have a problem showing this heterosexual sex scene. But it does have a problem when it comes to like the gay sex because it always finds some way to obscure it. You know, there's always like a, a bush or a shadow or something, or they film it at a weird angle where you have an idea what's going on, but you don't see what's going on. You know, like there's a scene where a character gives somebody a blowjob and all we see is that character's feet standing in front of the guy and then the other guy's hands reaching up and up, like from his feet all the way up, but we, the camera doesn't pan up with him. Like we know what's going on, but we don't see it. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. For the the second kill, the killer lures a guy out in the park, and like they sneak in the bushes. Like this is like textbook cruising right here. They they meet the dude and meet a guy. Cruising is basically when you meet a guy. the The movie title has a double entendre. It's when it's the act of cruising is when you go to a secluded area or a random area and you hang around looking for someone to have sex with. And this happens most likely in places like a park or, you know, yeah, just basically cruising there. Or it also has to mean cruising as in the cops crew going on the lookout for crimes to stop. They're patrolling an area, you know, cruising. It works both ways here because it's a cop on the hunt for someone who, on the hunt for a killer, but it's, he's also cruising for, a, like, somebody to fuck who's also that killer. So it, it works both ways, yeah. So the killer lures a guy into the park, and he vanishes momentarily, like it's fucking Batman. And there's nothing but bushes and shit all around. And he starts, you know, like singing this nursery rhyme. It's creepy as fuck, man. It, I think it, that's when I'm like, William Friedkin was the right choice to direct this movie because the killings aren't just a killing and then the guy's dead. It's, there's this feeling of like dread. It's like, yo, man, you know something bad's gonna happen, but you don't know when. That's the thing. In a horror movie, you know something bad's gonna happen, and the tension comes into like, when is it gonna happen, and what's gonna happen. In this movie, you know what's gonna happen, and the tension comes into when is it going to happen. Like, this can happen now. Like, holy shit! Like, where's this dude gonna pop out? Like, something. Like, where the where the fuck did he go? Where's he at? His voice seems to be coming from everywhere. And then he kills the guy. He stabs him to death, like he did the previous guy. And it's. Like I said, it's like something out of a slasher movie or like Halloween. He just dabs the guy with the fucking knife over and over. And he's like, you made me do that. And right away we get some idea like this man doesn't feel responsible for what he's doing. From his perspective, like he's being forced to do this. Like, you know, like just the very... The, like, the existence of these people, like, it's like you, like I had to do that you made me do that like almost like he doesn't want to be a killer like he's a reluctant killer but he still kills anyway but what the fuck ever 
that's that's neither here nor there. I'm not gonna go into that just now. Um, yeah. Every time the killer kills someone, he says, "You made me do that." There's a scene. An, another killing happens in this um this like peep show. You know, because back in the day, you could you couldn't exactly watch porn at home. You know, DVDs and cassettes weren't. I mean, I think there were cassettes in the 80s, but they weren't, like, widely circulated with porn on them. So, if you wanted to watch porn, you had to go to the cinema, or you go to, like, a peep show, you know, you put money in, and you, you know, sit in a room and you watch it there. So, these two guys go in, so this guy, like, he gives a dude a look, and we know this is the killer, because we can, we know what he looks like now. We don't know his face, but we know the kind of shit he wears, like, his attire and everything. So, he gives the guy a look, and we, and they go into the peep show they start making out and as the the sex on screen is happening the sex on the peep show screen is happening the guy kills the dude that he was making out with puts a coin in the peep show and he leaves the locations for where the killings happen say something because all these locations are basically places where people go to fuck like the kind of places where like two gay guys might get it on a random place in the bushes, a hotel, a motel room, and this peep show. It's where people, secluded places where people can fuck. That's where he's killing people. It shows that these killings aren't random. You know, like, this, they may seem random. Like, okay, it's random in the sense that he's the person that the guy dude found that night, but the location isn't random. He, the killer is killing people in places where he can do his thing and then leave without anybody looking at him sideways or anything because well the people coming and going in here people who come and go in here aren't the kind of people who would look at the other people who come and go in here because they're kind of doing the same thing i mean they're not killing people but like you know they're also having sex but yeah that's the um the gist of it all that's so whatever and he in, in this movie this scene okay like al Pacino's character is finally he's got all his leather gear he's at this bar and he want he gets to look at this guy skip and he wants to go over there and he even asks like hey who's that guy bartends him oh like that guy's bad news like don't go over there man he's not good dude to be on like uh, apparently he roughed someone up back in the day or whatever yeah this shit like that but before he can go over there and find out whether or not this dude is the killer this other guy comes up to him and they dance, and he's like, like, come on, come dance with me. They go over on the dance floor, and they start dancing. And oh my god. <laughs> what is it with Al Pacino and this fucking dancing, man? Like, what? What is going on? <laughs> what the hell? What is it with Al Pacino and dancing in the 80s, dude? Like, I, I swear, man. Al Pacino dances better in, in Scarface than he does in this movie. And that was, people made fun of his freaking dancing in that movie. Like, hot damn, dude. I mean, if they saw this movie, they'd, I don't know, they'd have a freaking stroke. Damn. Jeez. What is this dancing, dude? Like, what? <sighs> oh, man. I know they say dance like nobody's looking, but damn, man. <laughs> oh, man. Whatever. But yeah. So I'm watching this film and like moving in the so like he tells the cops, yeah, there's this dude, his name is Skip, whatever, I need y'all to look into him. The cops talk to this informant and they find out like where the dude works. 
and so they look into him and they send these two guys these two detectives to look into him and right there i'm just watching and i'm just thinking like the cinema sins guy i'm just thinking oh there's discount you know whatever the first time i heard that discount joke it was during the shaft movie and i had like that kind of reaction where the dude was talking about like oh there goes like discount christian bale holy shit that's actual christian bale he was in shaft like that's what i saw when i saw a dude in this movie like holy shit I saw like one of the detectives. I was like, "Holy shit, that's Al Bundy from Married with." I was thinking like discount Al Bundy, but like, no, that's that's real Al Bundy from Married with Children. Holy soap, he's in he's in cruising. <laughs> I freaking laughed. Like I laughed so freaking hard, man. Like what the hell? What the hell is Al Bundy doing? Here? <laughs> the heck is Jay from Modern Family doing in this movie? What the? <laughs> oh my god, dude. Oh, that was hilarious. That, that got a chuckle out of me, bro, man. And I, I, I don't. There's not a lot to laugh about in this movie. There's very little. There's freaking nothing to laugh about. But hot damn, dude, that that really really laughed, dude. Like holy soap, man. Al Bundy is here. I mean, he's here. But I thought like, oh, he'll be able like a cameo or something. But nah, man, he's he's got a part. It's not a big part, but it's still a part. You're like, he's got a part of the movie. He's one of the detectives helping Al Pacino. And I'm like, hot damn, dude. Oh, this is such a sight to see him. This is like his his, his booty time cameo in in uh, Ford Fairlane, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. You know, he comes out of, he just comes out of nowhere, talks to Ford, and he's like, booty time, booty time, cross the USA. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is the same character. I don't know. Maybe it is. You know, he he didn't have a song to sing this time, but hot damn, it would have been interesting if he did. You know, they just I don't know. Maybe the events of this story or his experience in this world led to him to write the song "Booty Time." Who knows? <laughs> so Steve thinks that this guy Skip is the guy they're looking for. So he organizes. A, he works with the other cops to organize a sting operation on the guy. They you no, know, he gets with the guy. They go up to a hotel room, and like you know, he they have a wire in the room. Then he gets to get tie him up like he did the other guys. And before he can do anything, the team's gonna bust in and they arrest him. And like bam, they got the right guy. That's the idea. The thing is, the wire cramps out. Like as the dude is talking about tying the other guy up, about telling people tying the team up, and like since they can't hear what's going on, they're like, oh shit, let's get get in there. Something must be going wrong. They rush in, and I kid you not, there are 12 cops in this fucking sting operation. 12 cops, all of them armed, and one of them has a freaking shotgun, all to arrest one dude with a knife. Just, <laughs> what dude? Like, you've heard of excessive use of force? Well, goddamn, this is, not only that, but this is a serious waste, dude. 12 dudes, 12 cops for one guy. Like, 12 of New York City's finest to arrest one guy in leather gear with a knife. Just one guy. Nah, man. It, 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 this, this shit is excessive, man. To an absurd degree, this is excessive. Dude, 12 cops and one of them's got a shotgun to arrest one guy. Like, this is ridiculous. God damn, man. I understand he's a serial killer. He's killing people. He needs to be taken down. But this is ridiculous, man. This is ridiculous. 12 people arrest one dude? Oh, shit. But anyway, so they bust him. 
The guy's like, it's like, did you see his knife? Did you see his knife? Like when they come in to like rescue Pacino, like, did you see his knife? And they're like, nah, like, what are you doing? You came in too soon. And you know, he's right. Like all he did was tie him up. All they got him for is tying dude up. It's not like he did anything. He didn't even have a knife on him. I think, you know, like they just busted in on him, but whatever. It was too soon. So they interrogate the guy and they grill the motherfucker. They think that he's the guy. They've got the right guy. Is, you know that that cliche uh the chief is clamping down on me to come up with answers thing so they think he's the guy he's their guy you know whatever so like they ing this weird interrogation tactic happens man a weird interrogation tactic and that is to <laughs> they, they, they while they're interrogating them, this big black dude in a cowboy hat, wearing nothing but a cowboy hat and a jock strap, walks into the room and he smacks him. And then he walks out. And Steven's like, what the? He's like, who, who is that guy? Like, what? Realistically, that is how you'd react. You'd be looking around like, who is that guy? Like, what the, what the heck was that? And everyone in the room just pretends like that didn't happen. Like, because realistically speaking, Nobody would believe you if you told them that's what happened. Like, the cops dragged me into the interrogation room, and then a big, half-naked black guy just walked in and slapped me. <laughs> like, that sounds insane. There's no way anyone would believe you if you told them that. So, I can see why they do that. But, God, but damn, man. This is just so out of nowhere. I was looking at the screen like, what the, what the heck was that? What, what was that? Did... Did I just, am I in the right movie? Like, this, <laughs> what movie did you walk in from, man? Damn. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so continuing on, dude, uh, Steve, they, they realize, okay, he ain't our guy. We got to let him go. You know, we used our big black, you know, enforcer on the wrong dude. But yeah, they let him go. And, um... Uh, Steve Pacino's character goes back home, and his wife, his his wife's sole purpose in this movie is to have sex with him, and then moan when he doesn't. Like, like she's like, "Why don't you want me anymore?" Like, I mean, you think because he's a straight guy and hang around all these gay people all the time in these S and M balls and whatever, that when he gets to go back home and have sex with his wife, he would like screw her brains out or something. Like, he'd really be into it because. That's what he was doing the, the last time he was there. Like, he really went all in on Love It Over. Like, now all of a sudden, he's not feeling this woman. Like, he doesn't come home as often, and he's not feeling her like he used to. And she's really like, why don't you love me anymore? Why don't you, we, we, like, we don't fuck anymore. We don't fuck anymore. That's, <laughs> that's essentially her character. Like, the one woman in this story isn't written very well. So... Yeah, your purpose is solely to screw the main character, and when he doesn't, to moan about it. So yeah, that's that. Ah, <sighs> but anyway. Also, Pachino's character's name Steve. I've mentioned that over and over, but when I was watching the film the first time around, it took an hour for me to learn that Pachino's character was named Steve. Holy soap! In the meantime, there's this B plot where like Steve is has neighbors with this uh, redheaded dude who's in an apartment. He's gay. And they just, like, talk about, like, everyday shit. Like, man, uh, my boyfriend wants me to get a job. 
and you know i'm but i'm writing a screenplay and it's taking up my time he's like the world can wait for whatever screenplay i have whatever like we need to get a job like like but i need to get a job now or some shit like that and he's grappling trying to come to grips on whether or not he should do that i think like that's the conflict it this character works because he's um just a normal everyday dude it shows like not every gay person or member of the gay community is into SNM stuff. Is a part of this scene. Some of them are just regular everyday gay folk you'd see walking down the street, have ordinary jobs, live in an apartment, gotta pay bills, got bills to pay, stuff like that. It shows there is another side to this coin. It's not entirely one-sided. That's why I don't agree with the idea like, oh, this movie is trying to demonize the community. Like, no. It's showing an aspect of the community, but it's also showing that not everyone does this. If this character didn't exist and there was no character for, like, Pacino to talk to, and he, there was no ordinary dude who was just a member of the community, then then you could be like, oh, this is demonizing them because it's showing that all, like, all the gay people in this movie do S and M. There's not a single normal guy. Well, there is a normal guy in this movie. There's two of them. Uh, you know, but one of them comes later. The other is the one is this like redheaded dude Pacino's character talks to, and the other is James Remar. Like, what the fuck? Like, what is this movie? Like, I'm like, <laughs> he goes to visit, like, I mean, Pacino's character goes to visit his friend, and he, like, the door opens, and isn't his friend, it's James Remar with like long flowing hair. He's like standing there. I'm like, holy crap, that's that's Dexter's dad. That's freaking Raiden in, in Mortal Kombat Apocalypse. And he's like, that's the original guy they cast for Hicks. I've been like, yo, he's here? Where the rest of the warriors at, man? <laughs> oh, 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 oh my god. Uh, he's here for like one scene. He, um, like gets in an argument with Pacino. I don't remember what he said. But at least like Pacino shoving him and they get in the apartment like they scuffle for a bit and he pulls the knife on the guy. But I'm thinking like, wait, is the movie trying to say like he's the dude? Like he's got a knife because he's got like the knife they said that the killer uses. And he's like standing there threatening him. It's like, come on, you want to play? Like, come on. Like It's basically his, come on, let's get nuts. Yeah, he was doing come on, let's get nuts before Batman 89. So, yeah. I don't know, maybe Burton was watching this movie one time and saw this, like, come on, you wanna play? And he's like, oh, like, let me, let me put that in my movie. Like, I don't know what's going on. But yeah, this this movie's starting to, if you haven't noticed by my sudden change, so this movie's, like, picking up. Like, cause no, it's like, hey, it's gotta wrap up now. So yeah, it's starting to pick up a lot. Whew. Anyway, um, around this time, dude, Pacino's character figures out the finds this guy he suspects might be the killer so he follows the guy all the way to his house after looking at yearbook photos there's like a moment in the movie where he's talking to the captain he's like man i can't do this no more i can't i can't do this no more. in the context of the film he hasn't done anything it's not like he's had to sleep with dudes or whatever there's one scene that insinuates that but there's nothing we've seen so him being like i can't do this anymore he's essentially saying i can't hang around gay people anymore like thing is it's never really established why it's just like i can't do this anymore we get like one scene where he's not feeling his wife like he used to but it's never explicitly said like that's what's going on it's just the movie wants you to think like okay he's not feeling his wife like just like he doesn't want to hang around them anymore because he finds their behavior too weird or maybe he himself is starting to turn gay and he doesn't want to 
like he's starting to have thoughts or whatever he doesn't say why he just says like i can't do this anymore i don't want to keep like i don't want to be doing this like i know it's a lot right on this i know we gotta find this guy but i don't want to do this anymore and he's like just hang in there man we need you like whatever and he does he hangs in there and he finds this dude he finds this guy and after looking through some yearbook photos and he's like oh this dude might be the guy we're looking for he might be the actual killer after the guy leaves, you know, um, the dude leaves. It's the dude we saw earlier. He was one of the dudes who was looking at Pacino. And, like, he actually is a killer. After Pacino's character breaks into his apartment, he finds these letters addressed to the guy's dad. The dad's been dead for years, but he writes letters to him and he talks about him as if he was still alive. And the thing is, the guy has visions of his ghost dad, you know, talking to him. And he's, like, trying to convince him, like, I, he's like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I understand, like... He basically saying, I know this is, like, what you'd want me to do, but, like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, I don't want to be killing people. He's a reluctant serial killer, you know? Like, he's a gay guy who's killing other gay guys because he feels that's... I think... Like, the thing is, there's so much more you could have done with this character. Like, have... Like, don't have... Don't establish the hallucinations or him telling his ghost dad in one scene and then don't bring it up till the very end. Like have like do more with the killer like show like you know he still sees his dad like his dad is tormenting him and it's like a persistent voice in his head that's making him go out and kill these people and when he says you made me do that he's not talking to the victim he's talking to his fucking like, ghost dad who's messing with him don't actually have a ghost dad or whatever have it be um like in a manifestation of his like reluctance to accept his like self-hatred and, and loathe self-loathing manifesting into a form and becoming this like figure that he associates with that which happens to be his dad like damn i just came up with a better you know story for the villain than this movie did that came out like 30 years ago but damn i should have been right around this shit man anyway so yeah that's that um so Pacino figures out who the killer is and he does this thing where he lets him know like hey i know it was like it's like, I was in your apartment. The guy knows he was in the apartment. He even goes to the window and he sees Pacino outside looking right at him. Letting him know, like, yeah, sucker, I was in your place. You know, and I read your letters. Like, I, it's like, I was in your place. So later on, he, like, this is when it gets weird. Because Pacino knows this guy's a killer. This guy knows Pacino knows he's a killer. And then when they meet, it's like they're having a grinder date or something it's like so you know like they like they meet in the park they're like sitting on a bench and it's like hey you gotta smoke and they start smoking he's like so like you want to do this and like yeah you got a place they're like i got a place like <laughs> look the way he responds is like like fool you know i got a place you were there but hey, we can't exactly go back there like just but yeah you know i got a place and like but like, okay, let's go, like, do it in the park. Let's go screw in the park. So, like, Pacino gets his pants off. And then, like, they're standing there. And the dude starts pulling his pants down. And he, then Pacino goes for the guy. The guy pulls his knife. And he winds up stabbing the dude. Like, Pacino straight up stabs the zero killer right in his freaking lungs. Like, before all this, I'm just thinking, wait, why doesn't Pacino call in the police? Like, it's like, hey, I know who did it it's this dude come get him like because like you know whatever so they stab the guy in his lung mind you he has a knife in his lung and he goes down and the movie cuts to black but it cuts to the next day and then like this cuts are weird it just cuts straight to the next day 
dude is laying in hospital all bandaged up. He's got like a bandage right over his lung. And they're trying to get him to confess. And it's a fucking, it's a freaking miracle he's still alive. Considering he got stabbed in the lung. Like, you need that to breathe. You can bleed out and die. How did he not bleed out and die? He's laying in a park in the middle of Greenwich Village or whatever. Or New York. How did he survive long enough for an ambulance to get there with a knife in his lung? Just, oh, whatever. Oh, whatever. So he's like, I didn't kill anybody, and you know they're booking him. For, they're booking him for all the murders, and he's like, I didn't kill anybody, but they're also gonna book him for trying to kill guys. They tell him straight up, like, hey, the guy you attacked last night was a cop. So you may, and we know, like, um, we know, like, you killed all these people, so you just confess to it, you'll get less time. He's like, I didn't kill anybody. In a way, like, you could have framed this as he didn't kill anybody. He personally didn't kill anybody. It was, I don't know, him under the influence of his ghost dad that made him kill people. So personally, it's like a dissociative identity thing. You know, he personally didn't kill anybody, but like, this version of him under the influence of this evil person in his life who's no longer alive is what made him kill people. So, yeah, you, you could have had that. You could have had that. You could have totally made it. But then you'd have to dedicate more time to the killer. And, like, this movie that wasn't going to do that. So, yeah. Damn. Anyway, the movie uh, cuts to the killer's apartment after that. You know, they cut to his apartment where, like, Al Bundy and his partner are going through dude's things. And they find letters addressed to the guy's dad who's been dead for years. So the guy that keeps talking to earlier must have been in his head. Yeah, it shows like he's been writing letters basically confessing all that he did. Like, so that's when they find all the evidence to put the guy away. They know like, okay, this is the guy who did it. I mean, they don't know if this is the guy who's been hacking people to pieces and chucking them in the ocean. But like, they know he's the guy who's been stabbing people. They can paint him for those bodies. But um, afterwards, you know, like, hey, the captain says, hey, detective, you did a good job. You can go back to your normal life now. It's like, hey, thanks. You know, thanks for coming out, whatever. And he leaves. But he's got sunglasses on. I'm like, wait a minute. Where did he get sunglasses? And this is when the movie tries to pull something on you. Thing is, last time you saw somebody with sunglasses, it was the killer. The killer was the guy who had sunglasses and a leather hat. And then after Pacino leaves... The captain gets called to the scene of a murder, and it's this apartment, the same apartment where the red-headed guy that Pacino was friends with throughout the movie, he lived, and he's been stabbed to death in his own home. The cops think it was like a crime of passion, like his uh, love interest, James Remar, was the guy who did it, but like the movie's framing it like, hmm, um, maybe it wasn't, because like he finds out that the guy... They found out that um the neighbor his neighbor was Pacino's character, and the captain has this look. They don't they don't explicitly say what's going on, but he has this look like, huh? So Pacino lived down the stairs from this dude, and now this dude is dead. Like he's like, how long is he been dead? And they think like, okay, his partner did it, but like the captain's not so sure. The movie ends in a weird way. Like he's back home, and Pacino's like, like I'm. He tells his wife like, I'm back. I mean, it's like I'm like I'm not going anywhere anymore. Like. I'm back for good this time. And it ends with like him going for a shave in the bathroom while like his Marion Ravenwood tries on the, the leather jacket she found, the sunglasses, and the hat. And I'm sitting there thinking, whoa, this dude didn't have a hat. Pacino didn't have Pacino had a leather jacket and then like denim pants and whatever. But he didn't have a hat and sunglasses. The killer had a hat and sunglasses. So 
but like as she puts all this stuff on he he like stops shaving and he looks he like turns his head so that his reflection is looking right into the camera and then the movie fades to black before transitioning to a shot of the docks where like the the bodies were found and this ending is so confusing just oh dude this ending is just so confusing because like is steve a killer now did he kill the guy in dude's apartment is he gay did he have sex with the guy that he walked away earlier within this scene like the motivations of the killer weren't fully fleshed out more could have been done with that character beyond just having him okay i know i just said that but like that was what i was thinking when i was writing the review but like i'm just saying more could have been done with the villain not enough was done you know not enough was done with the villain it had an interesting premise that you could have done more with but like i get it you couldn't go all the way this was 1980 this wasn't today people weren't exactly gonna flock to the theaters to see a movie about like the gay community being hunted by a serial killer and the kind of person who would like who wasn't in the gay community may not be the kind of guy you want saying that they saw a movie but anyway aside from that <clears throat> there was um yeah all in all, the movie takes the cliche premise of a cop going undercover to catch a killer and gives it a unique twist of setting the story in the gay SM scene of 1980 New York. So I give the movie props for that. Also, I give the movie props for its visuals. There's a lot of scenes where like everything just looks... It's not like just following the thing. The certain scenes are lit differently. The way the scenes are lit, the way music is used, the way the camera moves. I give the movie props for that too. So all in all, like I wanted to like give this eight out of ten, you know. But like, dude, this more could have been done with the villain. The ending was confusing. The movie just the sort of ends. The, the who actually killed the dude? It's never a hundred killed the Patino's friend. Was it Patino? Was it a crime of passion? Like oh, who knows? It was never fully fleshed out. The movie just sort of ends. It uh, there is a like there's this discussion like um like the william friedkin said like oh i had to cut like 40 minutes of stuff that 40 minutes of stuff would have you know explained everything we don't know that for sure like we'll never know because that footage is gone friedkin said it was destroyed or whatever by the studio who knows it's just gone but overall you know like with all the things weighing this movie down i give it a seven out of ten yeah I, I give it a seven out of ten that's seven out of ten assless chaps yeah this movie is a definite seven out of ten that has been my review of the 1980 al pacino starring william friedkin directed movie cruising william friedkin would go on to direct some better movies al pacino would go on to star in better movies but i mean better and worse <laughs> looking at you Jack and Joe. but yeah but this movie was definitely unique you know i'll give it props it was a unique film there's no other films like it and there weren't for the longest time until that one season of american horror story but yeah that's that this has been moonlight kingdom reviews uh, farewell dear moonlight citizens i will catch you all later peace oh.